Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 263, Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori. And Shaq, this is the rematch. It's going down this Saturday night in Glendale, Arizona. The original spot that they fought at the first time. Same arena. The only difference is it's for a belt. It's five rounds now, and uh, someone's going to walk away the middleweight champion. Yeah, man, I'm, I've been excited for this rematch because I, I, I kind of could see this coming in a while, just the way, I mean, Israel, we we know he was going to be at the top of the division for a while. But on the other side, Marvin Vittori, since he came back from his suspension, I mean, I, I don't even think he's lost a round. So um, I'm very excited for this fight. You got two guys in there. You know, they've they both been talking. They both, you know, are not fans of one another. You, you've been seeing uh, Adesanya making the uh, – the Lord of the Ring references when it comes to comes to Marvin Vittori, you know, <laughs> and you know Marvin, man, I like Marvin because he brings the intensity. You know, there there isn't going to be any any friend business or you know any shaking hands and hugging when it, when you're fighting Marvin Vittori. You know, it's going to be a real fight. Um, you know, you're it's not going to be any excuses about you know drinking wine the night of the the, the, the day before the fight and all this other shit. So you know, I, I'm super excited for this fight. And speaking of drinking wine, you know, my boy Paulo Costa went off the deep end. Like, holy shit. Like, you, you put on a performance like that, then you ask for more money, like pulling out of main yeah. events. Like when he, when he when he asked for more money, I was like, Paulo, did you see your last fight? <laughs> like, I don't think you're you gotta get a knockout to get more money, bro, or at least a win or or even a better performance. Like, brother, you're not getting no new contract after that, bro. Like, so so the guy puts on that performance and then he comes out and says all the shit he said about drinking wine this and that and um then he says he wants 350k just to show up <laughs> like Paula, yeah, like, like uh what <laughs> all, all that brazilian wine is uh seriously messing with his uh, realm on reality because uh that's unlike anything uh, i've ever seen it's honestly it's honestly really sad because i during the fight I, like dana even said it you know because I, I was kind of you know, with my friends that I was watching, uh, everyone was asking, like, what the hell is he doing? And Dana said that's exactly what everyone, uh, uh, you know, in uh, Abu Dhabi was saying that night during the fight. Everyone was looking at each other like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> and then, like, now yeah. he's expecting to get 350 grand. Like, yeah, I don't think so. Like, okay, buddy. <laughs> Man, <laughs> it's, it's sad because he was such a promising contender. But anyways, this show is not about Paulo Costa. This show is about Izzy and Marvin. Cannot wait for that rematch. And then also another rematch in the co-main event. We got the champ, the best flyweight on planet Earth, Davison Dice Dugea Figueredo, the man, along with Henry Cejudo, who saved the flyweight division. He's defending his belt once again versus Brandon Moreno. You know, people saying that Davison's first round or bust. Oh, really? So why'd he win the fifth round last time? I thought that draw was complete bullshit. Even with the point deduction, I scored that five for Davison. But guess what? They get to run it back again. And I have a feeling, Shaq, there's not going to be any controversy Saturday night. Yeah, you know, Moreno is as tough as it gets. Davison is as tough as it gets. That fight that they had was one of the most, inter maybe the most entertaining flyweight fight of uh, all time right there, especially title fight-wise. Um, Davison Figueredo, I mean, there isn't really much that needs to be said. This guy is, 
is entertainment, you know, unlike some of our past flyweight champions, not including Henry Cejudo, you know, um, I, I think uh, just now, especially Moreno too, I mean, Moreno is very experienced, he's very seasoned, I mean, he's paid his dues, I mean, he did not even get dropped, like, floored, not even one time after he, with all the shots he took in that fight, and not to mention the shots that Davison took as well, and, you know, some of the factors that we know he had to cut, you know, Davison, those weight cuts to 125, ain't no joy. They're, uh, they're brutal, and he had to do it two times in a span of a month, so, you know, I think, I'm glad, you know, his body is rested for this one, and you get to see him at, at full strength against uh, the Assassin, baby, I'm excited. Absolutely. Uh, Brandon truly thinks he's going to dethrone Davison, so I cannot wait to see it. I think it's going to be a great fight. And then last but not least, in the featured bout, we got the return of Nate Diaz taking on Leon Edwards. And this fight, acts. people say this fight makes no sense. It makes all the sense to me. I'll tell you why. Leon Edwards is like on an eight-fight unbeaten streak, maybe even nine-fight if you include the Bilal fight. And basically, this guy deserves a title shot, but no one knows who the hell he is. You beat Nate Diaz, who's one of the biggest names in the sport, and everybody's going to know who you are. And then we can, you know, we can sell that that pay-per-view uh, with Leon getting a, a title shot. So I think I think the UFC know exactly what they're doing with this fight. And if Nate gets the upset, all of a sudden he's right back in the mix. Well, you know, I don't think they don't know. Who he is. I think they know who he is. You know, they refer to him as the guy that you know, Mosfet all uh, took off on, you know, backstage. Uh, you know, they might not know his name, but they, when they see his face, they'll definitely know him. And, um, yeah, man, I'm excited for that fight because Diaz, I mean, you know, one of the biggest names in the sport. Um, and, and, I mean, he has a history of pulling off big upsets, man. I mean, he's done it before. Um, Leon Edwards, I mean, he's, you know, been doing his thing, one of the top guys on 170. Um I still feel like he needs that signature win. Yeah, I guess Diaz could be it just because of the name value. But, you know, I, I need to – man, Edwards is – I'm really interested to see how he fights this weekend because his last fight, you know, he, he definitely won the first round, but we still needed to see four more rounds. And we really haven't seen him, you know, go five rounds in a, in a very long time. Um, so we'll see how he performs this weekend. But it, it, for his standpoint, man, I don't think it could be like a decision. It has to be an ass with him because Diaz, look, I, you know, nice guy and all, but he, he, he has no business on the upper echelon of 170, and that's just the honest truth about it. And, and if Leon Edwards is struggling with a guy, a guy like that, then we're going to really know where he stands. Yeah, this fight will let us know a lot, and it's a huge opportunity for both fighters. So we're going to break down this whole car start to finish. But first, you know, we got to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Manscaped. Thank you very much, Manscaped. Uh, so, guys, Father's Day is coming up, and the weather is catching heat. So whether you have a dad bar... Whether you have a dad bod or you're rocking a six-pack, make sure you and your dad are smelling nice and shaved where it matters most. Make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Lawnmower 4.0, which uh, I got in my hand right here. This thing is really badass. And get him the refined cologne by Manscaped. This cologne smells absolutely fresh. Uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And the brand new lawnmower 4.0 and the refined cologne is perfect for you and and the dad in your life to complete your grooming game get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code battle 20 at manscaped.com and you guys already know the deal you can't be leaving the house not smelling fresh uh, especially in this day and age quarantine's over no more excuses plus you got to be well groomed too that's where the 4.0 comes in and that's where this badass cologne comes in there this fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology do your do you or your dad travel a lot 
travel a lot? If so, then the 4.0 is the perfect trimmer for home and on the go. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. So what uh, power outage, no excuse. And it's waterproof, too, so you can shave your balls in the dark, in the shower, in the pool, <laughs> anywhere your heart desires. You're out at the lake, no excuses, right? So the Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 to 4. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Fellas, it's time to pull the plug on wire trimmers and your wild bush. After you guys have clean balls, clean up your cologne game with the refined cologne from Manscaped. This thing right here, like I told you, never walk out the house not smelling fresh, guys. With the same signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas, this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. Light, approachable, gentlemanly in all the right ways. If the old man is smelling a little funky, this cologne is a surefire way to change that up and uh, make him the talk of the summer. Man of the house deserves to smell like a king. Whether it's a gift for you, your dad, or the men in your life, choose Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code BATTLE20. Don't forget that you came from your dad's balls this year. Show your original home some love with Manscaped, Shaq. Yeah, I mean, Manscaped is number one in the game, and I don't even... I don't even know who the competition is. I just know they ain't fucking with Manscaped. You know what I'm saying? So I got a, uh, I actually just went on Manscaped and got some, got some stuff. So I use my code battle, uh, battle 20. So I hope everyone else does too. You got to get that crop preserver, man. It, it works wonders, man. And you'll never have to worry about, you know, getting ready for, for, you know, your girl or a short notice opportunity, whatever it is. So, you know, go ahead and get that crop preserver from Manscaped. I'm just going to say they ain't never kicked Shaq out of VIP of the club ever before. So, uh, <laughs> just, just, just know he always shows up ready to go. <laughs> well, Shaq, let's break down this whole car start to finish because first up in the heavyweight division, we've got a matchup between Carlos Boy Felipe. He's 10 and 1. He's taking on Jay Collier, who's 12 and 5. Currently, they got. Carlos Felipe, minus 170. The comeback on Jay Collier is plus 150. It, it opened uh, minus 200 for Felipe. So the action's been coming in here on Jay Collier. I mean, look, he beat John Volante, and everyone's losing their mind. And I also, I understand Felipe had a close fight with Taffa, so maybe people are kind of down on him. But are, are, are we really in a spot to be, uh, you know, counting on, on Jay Collier to be winning fights against, you know, non-John Volantes here, Shaq? Yeah, I think... Uh... I mean, you were kind of hinting at it there. I think they're just seeing this one wrong. I, I, Jay Collier, look, he beat John Vellante. Oh, my God. Like, okay, every Maurice Green beat John Vellante, too. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, John Vellante is, is a two-fiver that sent, like, bro, John Vellante is a 205er that, you know, got – a little uh, i know he had a baby and i guess he started you know his girl had a baby and i guess he started eating with her the dude's bloating i mean look at his fight with marie screen there really isn't much to be said um he's got no volume he's got nothing to back jay collier off he's a two he's got 205 power trying to fight heavyweights and i know collier's a former middleweight and 205 
and all that stuff. But I mean, Collier was out for like a good three to four years. So he uh, he like really ballooned on. And I just think he's tougher than than John Volante. But now we're talking about Carlos Boy Felipe. Just look at his three uh, UFC fights. We're talking about Spivak in his debut, which was one to one going into the third round. Y'all know how I feel about Spivak. I think he's a I don't know if he's in the top 15 currently, but I, I, I uh, definitely think he will be at some point. And uh, I mean, you know, yeah, he got dominated in that third round, but I thought it was a very good fight from a, a guy that when you look at his previous opponents in Brazil, you know how that Brazilian regional scene can be sometimes. I mean, he had fought all bums. So that was a big that was a big jump up. And I thought he performed well. Then we turned that into the DeCastro fight. I mean, he moves forward. And the thing I like about Carlos Felipe is his durability. And for such a big guy, his, his boxing volume. I mean, this guy doesn't, you know, ever stop. He doesn't really need to rest that much. Um, I'd say his weakness is probably the clinch or, or on the ground. But Jake Collier, man, I mean, he, John Volante still bloodied up his face. Like, Jake Collier's face was a complete mess that fight. And I just think John... Volante isn't the toughest guy in the world these days. I know Carlos Felipe is, is a lot tougher. I think he honestly can match the volume or if not throw more, but really where I see him capitalizing is just being mean or just being younger. Like people are down on him for the Tafa fight. Like it's about matchups. Tafa's a lefty. Jake Collier isn't. Firstly, Tafa, just because he's one and two, like this is the thing in this game, man. Yeah, he's one and two now, and, you know, because he's young, he's only got, like, what, less than ten fights. But I kind of – the the Vandera fight, I mean, Vandera, like, he's a big-ass dude, man. So uh, that really didn't surprise me all that much. But anyways, back to Felipe, man. I just think he has a, a big power edge in this fight, and I think that he's going to get better better fight to fight, man. Uh, after a fight uh, – was it fight of the night or – it was a great fight. I'm not sure if it was fight of the night, but – um. After a fight like that, man, I feel like he can only go up. And I think he will knock Jake Collier out somewhere. I'm going to say in the first round, man. I, I think uh, he should be a two-to-one favorite. I mean, a win over John, this fight kind of reminds me of like, like uh, you know, when Cub Swanson knocked out Daniel Pineda and like all of a sudden, you know, he's back and stuff like that. I, to, to sit here and say that Jake Collier is back and, and is about to rack consecutive wins and, and you know i i just don't see it happening man I, i'm going with uh i'm going with carlos boy felipe by vicious knockout yeah i mean look uh jay collier is not back at all he comes in against aspinall 265 pounds and for those that don't know jay collier is a former middleweight so you know quarantine has been rough for a lot of us uh, jay collier included but he comes back against volante weighs 265 pounds again and just because fat off the couch jay collier whooped on john volante i mean who ha if you have if you're in the ufc and you haven't figured out how to beat john volante yet then there's a serious issue and i, I think here we're gonna get back to reality look carlos felipe I, I enjoy watching his fights man he's uh he's got good hands he's tough he's aggressive he's hard to take down um, and I understand that there's this volume thing with Collier, but again, he was against a walking punching bag named John Volante, who was six months pregnant at the time. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think it's going to be a lot tougher to get off on that kind of output against a guy like uh, Carlos Felipe. And I think Felipe's hands are cleaner. I think he's the more durable guy. I think he's younger. I think he's hungrier. And I think uh, Saturday night, Carlos Felipe is uh, going to get another win inside the octagon. So that's my pick. Now, Next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Fares Ziam. He's eleven and three. He's taking on Luigi Vandermini, who's nine and one. Currently, 
They got Fares Ziam minus 135, the comeback on Luigi Vandermini's plus 115. So th this one's a little harder for me to cap, man, just because I, I feel like both guys are super young, super green, and we can be seeing big improvements every time. We might see a different version every time. So I'm not really sure what to expect. Here's what I do know. Fares Ziam, a long guy. He's he's tough as nails. Um, he can get back up from takedowns, and he's got decent volume. And with Luigi Vandermini, I mean, from going from fighting no one on his regional scene to all of a sudden you're in there with Eliza Zaleski. And not only are you there with Zaleski, you take his back. That's that. That was very he uh, he got my attention right away by taking Eliza's back. He parlays that by uh, absolutely destroying a guy that went the distance with Darren Till. I, I was pretty impressed with him, man. Fares Yam, a lot of people thought he lost his last fight, but you know, you know the famous Joe Silva quote, you can't win a fight by putting your head between a man's legs. And I mean, Fares Yam doubled up Jamie Malarkey on strikes and got back up from all the takedowns. So, yeah, and this is going to be an interesting fight. So I'm not really sure. I think it could go either way. I need to see more from both guys before, you know, I'm fully familiar with them because, again, they're still growing. They're young. But from what I've seen so far, I've been a little bit more impressed with Luigi Vandermini, and he's the dog here in a fight that I think maybe should be a pick -em. So I'll go with uh, Luigi. Yeah, I agree. I thought ZM um, won that fight against Malarkey the first two rounds, um, if I'm not mistaken. Long, I think he's a K-1 guy, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Um I know he's been doing some training in Las Vegas, so he he uh, he he left uh, France, you know where he's from, and um, I mean, yeah, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him as well as Vandermini. Um, man, Vandermini put it on, uh, yes, and Iari. That was a that was a vicious knockout. He seems very aggressive. My cur my curiosity here with him is what happens if the fight is extended. It seems like he comes out very strong, looking for the knockout or the back takes and the and the jujitsu. Um, I think that maybe he could get an early knockout here. Ziam kind of does leave his chin up in the air, but I have a feeling that if this fight gets extended, that the technique and just, uh, you know, the length, the, the range of, of ZM is probably gonna, you know, kind of make him get the better of the last two rounds. Um, so I'm gonna actually go with Farah Ziam to get, what's his nickname? The smile killer. Um, super young dude. Uh, how, how old are both these guys? Like under 25, right? Both of them. Yeah. Um, Ziam yeah. is uh 24 yeah. and Vandermini is is 25. Man, you know, they got a lot of young lightweights in that in that they got my boy Puelas who's on a three fight win streak. They got uh these two kids, man. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Ziam, but I'm gonna say by like a close split split decision type type victory. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a match between Steven Ocho Peterson. He's 18 and 9. He's taking on Chase Hooper, who's 10, 1 and 1. Currently, they got Steven Peterson, minus 120, the comeback on Chase Hooper is plus 100. So at least we're past the days of Chase Hooper being this massively chalked favorite and stuff like that. You know, the times are catching up. And the biggest thing we criticize Chase Hooper for is, you know, he's a bit of a punching bag. The only thing is his opponent here, Ocho Peterson, that's what we kind of criticize him for, too. But here's what I'll say about Ocho Peterson. Um, obviously, he's got more than twice the experience, never been submitted in close to 30 pro fights, been in there with some guys. This might actually be the spot where he doesn't have to worry about getting tagged up over and over like he does every single fight. Or if Chase Hooper, who's just a kid, 21, 22 years old, maybe he's made some improvements. He's a long guy. He's got a four inch reach advantage. Maybe he can come out here and 
emulate a game plan that's been shown for years on how to beat uh, a guy like Ocho Peterson. But based off where they are currently in their careers, I think this might be an opportunity for Peterson to come out here and kind of bully Chase Hooper a little bit. But, you know, you can't – I personally can't trust, uh, you know, Peterson that much, you know, especially laying minus money. But I do think he's got some advantages. Hooper seems like he might need a little more seasoning on the regional scene. He's a very tough kid, don't get me wrong. And he's got decent submission ability, but but, that, but that's about the extent of it. Like Dana White said, you can't just get your ass beat every fight and then pull, uh, you know, a submission out your hat like that. That's just not going to work at the highest level. Maybe it works here, but I'm going to say Steven Peterson puts a pace on him and uh, wins a decision. Well, he's definitely wrong about that. Just look at my boy, Paul Craig. I mean, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I think, uh, man, this is a tough one for me because, you know, I, I agree with a lot of things you said. Um, man, you know, when you watch tape on Chase, you know, some of it is just understandable. I mean, the kid, you know, he needs time. He, he's, I mean, let's just be honest. He was not ready for the UFC. Um and he's still in here. But I, I will say the fact that that kid has managed to go two and one with the with the with the skills, the, especially the striking uh, that he has, man, I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's a very tough kid and I think things will materialize for him uh, some at some point if he just keeps putting the, the work in. And one thing I'll say about Peterson, man, man. At first, coming into this fight, I was thinking Peterson was probably going to whip his ass. But then when I watched the tape on him, man, I I was very, very, very underwhelmed, man. I like Steven Peterson. If you say Chase Hooper's a punching bag, I mean, Steven Peterson, bro, is, I mean, I honestly think Chase Hooper, even with his bad striking, has a path to victory on the feet here by just by range, keeping Peterson at bay with the kicks. Um, I know he's been training with Wonderboy Thompson and, and his dad. So I, I am expecting to see, you know, maybe a, a, a better, you know, better version of uh, Chase on the feet. On the ground, Peterson does have a lot of submissions. Um, so that is probably going to be a little bit tougher for him to do. But that length on the ground, man, creates problems as well. I, I don't necessarily see Peterson like, you know, slicing through his guard and mounting him and, and, you know, on his back or anything like that. I, I, I just don't see that happening. Um, I think Peterson's the type of guy that you do not trust at minus money. I think that his skill set is very limited. He takes a lot of damage in his fights. He's under 500 in the UFC. Granted, it is against some tough competition, 100%. And he's seen things in this game that chase, uh, you know, but man, Chase, the fact that he went all three rounds against Caceres, because I thought there was a couple of shots where he could have really uh, packed it in, but he but he kept going, man. And in his last fight against Peter Barrett, I still think he's just figuring things out, man. Just more ring time. We'll see. Maybe he's, you know, maybe Peterson's just still a little bit too much, but I'm actually go with Hooper on this one, man. I think he just lands the more effective strikes at range by just toughness kind of kicking Peterson. Uh, Peterson, man, his face is a mess every single fight. <laughs> I'm not saying that Chase, is, Chase uh, isn't, but I I, I feel like Chase, we might see a better version of Chase uh, on, on Saturday night, so we'll see. But I'm going to take him for the win here. I mean, you are right that the blueprint's been laid out, so you, no one can be surprised, and you can't be overconfident in a guy like Steven Peterson at Chalk. So I, I completely agree with you so let's see what happens now next up in the lightweight division we got a matchup between matt frivola he's eight two and one he's take, he's welcoming terrence mckinney who's 10 and three to the ufc currently they got matt frivola minus 300 the comeback on terrence mckinney's plus 240 
So I think this is a tougher matchup for Frivola than his original uh, opponent, Frank Camacho. I thought he was going to, you know, no pun intended, steamroll uh, Frank Camacho. But here, I think he's in for a real fight. This kid, Terrence McKinney, is no slouch at all. And, you know, he's the guy that got knocked out by Woodson with that flying knee on, on contenders, except he was dominating Woodson the entire fight. Goes back to the regional scene. I know he fought Minner. He got choked out in under a minute. I mean, look, Minner's got like 20 submissions in under a minute. No shame in that. But since that point, the kid's not just been on a win streak. He's been on a kill streak, Shaq. He's been destroying people. Head kick knockouts, ground and pound knockouts. I mean, it was almost like it's undeniable that he was going to get his call. So, yeah, you know, he's fought at 45s. He's fought at 55s. And I understand he might have some experience in the Alaskan scene. So there might be, you know, some hesitation. But I think this is one of those few exceptions where this kid is actually pretty damn good and deserves to be here. Strong offensive wrestler, decent volume on the feet. It's just the the UFC experience that, you know, gives me pause because Frivola, Frivola is a guy that uh, he's extremely tough and you know, Frivola is the kind of guy he'll eat a clean head kick by Lando Venata, get dropped by another shot, and then come back and make the fight a draw, right? Like, this guy is a dog. This guy will eat everything you have. And if he's still conscious, man, um, he's going to put a pace on you. And I, I I even remember in that fight against Armand Saruki, and, I mean, despite the result, he he wobbled Armand one time in that fight. So I, I got a lot of respect for Frivola. Again, I think this is going to be a tougher fight than the Camacho fight. I thought he was just going to run through Camacho. But, uh here I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Frivola edges a close one, but if someone's taking the shot on Terrence, I mean I can understand. I think he's legit. I think he deserves to be here for sure. I, I'm excited to see what Terrence does, but just based off experience, I'll, I'll go with Frivola here. Yeah, um, yeah, I think McKinney's got a bright future ahead of him, but I don't think Saturday is gonna be his night. He's coming here on short notice. I know he just fought, but. Look, Frivola's been in there with some tough, tough customers, and I, and I think his performances are are uh, actually getting better. Um, he just fought Armand Sarukian, who, is, is, you know, some people think is a future champion, and he went three rounds, respectable performance on one day notice, you know. It wasn't like he had a full camp for that fight or anything like that. So it just shows you the balls that this guy has, his fight with Lando Venata. Venata's super experienced, um, and, I mean, Frivola's heart, man. I mean, he just has a lot of heart. I think he's making better decisions striking wise. I mean, what about those wins over these six two six three guys? You know, he's fought specimens before, man. I know McKinney's a big, strong kid, but Frivola's seen Jalen Turner. I mean, he, he's felt what that's like a six three guy who can knock you out at any time. He's felt Luis Pena. He's felt all these guys, man. So I think uh, McKinney, when you look at his record, it's pretty clear that, I mean, his only chance to win uh, in this fight is ha has to be by a knockout in the first couple minutes. You know, it seems like anytime he gets out the first round is when he uh, starts struggling. So if Frivola just avoids this death shot from McKinney, McKinney, you know, he's a, he's a strong athletic kid, man. He just needs to not get knocked out in the first round. And, and I think it'll be smooth sailing for, uh, for Vola after that, you know, just, uh, I, I'm assuming McKinney's going to come out here really hard, excited for his debut. And, um, if he doesn't get the knockout, I expect a big adrenaline dump and a, and a gas out and soon, uh, you know, after that. So I'm going to go with the uh, Matt Frivola here. And next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Panny Kianzad, who's 14 and 5, taking on Alexis Davis, who's 20 and 10. Currently, they got Panny Kianzad, minus 190. The comeback on Alexis Davis is plus 165. So I know a lot of people are taking Alexis here. 
because of what happened last time she fought a bit of a prospect in Mazo. But I think there's a completely different matchup, man. I think that Panic Keon's ad has actually been paying uh, her dues. And honestly, man, she's got some skills, too. I think that now she's starting to get a little comfortable inside the octagon. We're starting to see a little bit of that. The volume's truly been on point these last three fights. Her takedown defense is getting better. She's got good size for the weight class. Alexis Davis always been a, will always be a vet and will always have my respect i mean alexis davis we're talking about someone if i told you right now and i had to ask you yes or no um that alexis davis and amanda nunez got into a fight one time and alexis davis won via tko would you believe me well the answer is yes because they did get into a fight one time and uh, and yeah. alexis davis did win via tko now granted this you know, was over uh, a decade ago you know, so you know cats and gano uh, knocked amanda out too <laughs> <laughs> viciously right so hey alexis davis tko to amanda nunez so you know no but listen man I, I think that right now we're at a point where the way alexis davis is winning these fights is she's able to take these young girls down to the ground hold them down and from there you know they're not able to get back up and I, i'm not exactly sure if what happened to mazo is going to happen to panny here i think that panny actually legitimately has been making bigger strides and i think that she's ready to not, not necessarily contend but at least you know hang around in the top 15 right now. So I'm going to go with Panny Keon's ad to keep it standing and just out volume uh, Alexis Davis, who does mark up easy. And um, yeah, I, I think uh, the, not necessarily that's going to be target practice, but I think it's going to, I think there's going to be a clear winner uh, when it goes to the judges scorecards here. Yeah, man. I, uh, I agree. I've actually been a little higher on Keon's ad than most, just because uh, there was a fight she had um, against Rose Clark, where I was, I, I was impressed. I, I, I mean, going into it, I thought it was going to be a close fight, but it turned out to be a one-sided ass whooping. Um, you know, and Kian's at, uh, man, she, her boxing is up there with anybody's in that division. Um, she's very experienced. She's been around the block for a, a very long time. Um, Davis, the Mazo fight, man, look, Mazo, when you look back at her keys fight, she got taken down there. And I just think Mazo's not mean enough, not aggressive enough, sits back too much, holds back too much, a slow starter. As where Kianzad is just more, a little bit more sure of herself, in my opinion, um, better boxing, um, stronger, in my opinion. And then you look at her last fight; she went up uh, against a black belt against uh, against um, um, fucking Sajara. Yeah, my bad. Against Sajara, and um, I mean, the first round she definitely got taken down and held down for pretty much the whole round. So, I mean, look, if you're on Davis, I, I, I get what you're trying to do. You're hoping that you could get the takedown and stay on top of her too. But, I mean, her performance down the stretch, man, she uh, she really, you know, put in some work stuffing in those takedowns. And, I mean, she got the win, man. She Her boxing, we know she has the edge in that, in that realm. She trains with – she actually got, like, a lot of good training partners, man. She trains with, like uh, – my boy, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kudaladze, that dude, uh, that beat, um, that beat Gamera. Um, and she trains with like, um, Demir Hadsevich, Dalby. Like she's got, she's got a good, uh, you know, team around her down there. I forget what the team's called, but she's got a, a, a lot of good training partners, man. And I think that this is kind of, I don't want to say a lesser version of her last fight, but uh, around uh, you know similar man just another black belt is going to be looking to take you down you just passed that test i think she's passed this one as well man i think uh alexis davis's face is going to look a mess on saturday night now next up in the featherweight division we got a prospect showdown between hakim dawadu he's 12 1 and 1 he's taking on mofsar evloyev who's 14 and 0 currently 
They got Bovsar of Loyev minus 230. The comeback on Hakim Dawadu is plus 190. Man, this is a tough one because, you know, we've called Bovsar of Loyev little Khabib. Um, but listen, Hakim Dawadu is no slouch and he's coming into his own. He's on a big win streak. He's finally figuring it out. Should this fight be lined closer? Or is this a case where Movsar Avloyev truly is that potential future champion that, that people are talking about? Because you see a number like that on uh, Hakim Dawadu. It def- definitely uh, got my attention, Shaq. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, it's a good fight. Um, it's a tough fight. It could be lined closer. Um, I think when they, you know, when the bookies line the Russians, I think they just look at it like, win or lose you know i don't think they really care about like if it's a tough fight an easy fight i just think you know that's uh, the reason i say that is because his last fight he was like minus 700 uh the fight before that uh he was a favorite too so um yeah i i i I like the wadu i mean i like both of these guys i mean i'm pretty sure me and you at least um i mean we saw mazar's fights pre-ufc and I think we both came to a consensus that uh, this kid is definitely going to be in the top 15 at some point. And um, Dewadu, kind of similar, maybe not. You know, I've been a fan of Dewadu since the, the World Series days, and and Dewadu has a, actually a good history against the Russians. I mean, he beat one in uh, World Series of Fighting. He beat Tukugov. So, I mean, he is undefeated against Russians. Um, but, man, this is a tough fight. It's tough because Mazvar... I think Dewadu could have a, a you know some openings in the stand up against Mazar Evloev. Um I think Evloev's got a good pace, very consistent pace, but I think that I, I don't know how to even describe it. I feel like it's almost like he's not challenged enough or like the kid just plays with fire occasionally um with these chokes, but I I'm, I'm not really expecting I don't really care about that, you know, for this fight cuz I highly doubt Hakeem Duwadu is going to be, uh, you know, attempting any uh, guillotines like Nick, like Nick Lentz and Darce chokes like uh, Mike Grundy. Um, it's just a couple things that worry me. What happens if Hakeem lands a couple calf kicks? What happens if, um, you know, Mavzar can't get him down as easy as easily as he's uh, used to? But man, Hakeem Duwadu is very underrated. He's very technical. I don't know if this line against him is a smart idea, you know, just playing, you know, Mazvar. I'm not saying that Mazvar is not going to win because I do think Mazvar is going to scrape this out. I just think that he works at a much higher rate, Uh, maybe takes a little more chances, maybe slightly a little more sloppier. But I just think it's very hard to to outwork him. And, you know, when you look at some of those clinch grappling exchanges in the Tsukuga fight where Hakeem did get taken down, uh, he did stuff in the third round because, I think Tukugov missed weight by a lot. And, you know, Tukugov, he, you know, he ain't the toughest guy in the world. But I think, um, I think that, man, some of those grappling exchanges, I mean, I know Mazvar and his team are watching that like, oh my God, we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to embarrass him, you know? Um, so, man, I'm going to take Mazvar for the win here. But, you know, I do think Hakeem could land some calf kicks that, you know, maybe, you know, make this fight a lot closer than the line indicates, or, you know, maybe Mazvar, uh, he kind of, he kind of does slow down a little bit, but man, the kid just does not stop working. Um, he does not take any rest. And I do see Hakeem taking a little bit of rest in these fights. I think he's come a long way. Um, 
but it's like one of those things where I'm, I know I'm not fading Modifier Evloev, and I know, uh, I don't know if I, you know, what's, what's the line, like minus 250, 240, something like that, like, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't know if that's a smart decision to do against Akeem, um, so we'll see, but I'm gonna go with Modifier by decision, you know, outworking them, um, getting the better of the clinch grappling exchanges, you know, taking a couple shots here and there, but just doing this thing, uh, outworking Hakeem. Look, it's good to see Hakeem Dawadu finally starting to get comfortable inside the octagon because I remember he had a ton of hype in the World Series of Fighting and there were a lot of holes in his game, but you could always see the potential and the talent. I feel like he started to patch some of those things up. He's also super tough. Uh, both these guys ain't going to tap out. Both these guys are willing to go to sleep. I mean, as evidence in Hakeem's uh, debut and as evidence in uh, Movsar of Loyev's fight against Mike Grundy. I mean, that was a deep-ass dar choke he was in against Mike Grundy, and he... I mean, he would he could have went to sleep. He could have tapped out. No one would have held it against him. He found the littlest of openings, pushed off the hips, got out, and then he goes on to dominate the fight. So, those kind of qualities are very impressive. That that's like what a champion does. I'm not saying that Movsar is going to be a future champ, but I'm just saying that's a championship quality to escape a, a deep ass submission like that and then go on to dominate the fight. I think his stand up has been getting a lot better too. Um, obviously, you don't want to have a kickboxing match with Hakim Dawadu. I'd have to favor uh, Dawadu there for sure. I guess the biggest question is how's Dawadu's, you know, get up game, how's his takedown defense? I know he's been taken out, you know, a couple times here and there in the UFC. He's gotten back up every time, but this is a different level of wrestler. So this is the fight that's really gonna let us know exactly where he's at. I understand taking the shot. You see a number like that on Dawadu plus one ninety, plus two hundred. I completely understand, but I also agree with you that it's just kind of tough to to have money against someone like Evloyev. So I'd personally pass and enjoy seeing these two prospects, um, you know, prove prove themselves and see who the better man is because the better man is, is about to move into the top fifteen, guaranteed. So yeah, this is uh this is that fight that's gonna let you know exactly where these two stand. I cannot wait. I'll say Mozar also edges it out. Now next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Lauren Murphy. She's fourteen and four. She's taking on Joanne Caldwood, who's fifteen and five. Currently, they got Joanne Caldwood minus 140. The comeback in Lauren Murphy is plus 120. So this is another tough fight for me to call. The reason why is because I think that Joanne Caldwood, talent-wise and skill-wise, is probably the better fighter here. It's just that she's not, you know, it, it's kind of hit or miss. She's kind of a hot and cold fighter. Sometimes she looks like a world beater. Other times she's got some very head-scratching uh, performances, whether it's the Maya fight, whether it's the Moreau's fight. Just a lot of times, you know, if she's getting into a fight with her boyfriend uh, the day of the fight, then Joanne ain't going to show up, you know, whereas Lauren Murphy, she might not be the most athletically gifted, but Lauren Murphy is someone that has truly paid her dues. I mean, I don't know if y'all remember the kind of regard we used to hold Lauren Murphy in back in the day when she was like one and three in the UFC, when she had that horrendous attitude on the ultimate fighter. But now it's all like positivity. And now she's a top five ranked fighter, which is something I thought I'd never say. Like now she's getting all these massive upsets and she wills herself to victory. So she's truly become she went from someone that like we'd like make fun of to someone that like I got nothing but respect for, man. So all respect to Lauren Murphy. So this is a fight again where it plays out 10 times. I see different. I see different outcomes every single time because Joanne Caldwood, she shows up to the best of her abilities. And I do think that she's a step ahead of Lauren Murphy. But again, sometimes sometimes Joanne ain't pulling that trigger. Sometimes Joanne will give up easy takedowns. Sometimes Joanne, you put your arm around that neck and it's a Rumble Johnson, Melvin Guillard quick tap. So I'm not exactly sure. I, I, I'm not sure what, what to think, but I'll go with uh, Lauren Murphy because one thing I know about her, I know she's showing up. No matter what, I know she is going to show up. So I'm going to go Lauren Murphy for the upset. 
Yeah, um, I'm actually looking forward to this fight, man, because we know, you know, one of these girls is uh, soon going to be put on that plate for, for Valentina at some point. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't even want to win this fight. It's like, should I got to fight Valentina after this? <laughs> you know, um, like win this fight no, and then get a big injury, you know? And they, get, and they get absolutely wrecked. Um, so, yeah, this is a man, because I agree, man. Lauren Murphy was somebody a few years back I thought, honestly, it was just a complete mess. Um, and it seems like since she moved to uh, – with Derek Lewis's coach and, you know, uh, in Texas there, you know, it seems like she uh, – I mean, she, girls out here getting knocked out, wobbled, slammed on their head, finished – I mean, Andrea Lee's mouthpiece was flying all across the cage. So, I mean, Lauren Murphy, look, yeah, Calderwood, technically speaking, has her beat covered. I mean, probably throws more. She's got different variety of attacks, definitely a lot more cleaner. I mean, Lauren Murphy, definitely, it ain't pretty. I mean, she, you know, Lauren Murphy is one of the few uh, junkyard dogs in, the, in those in those female divisions. Um, I mean, Shorty's rough. She's tough. Uh, I mean, she, she, like, on tape, when you watch her, you'll be like, she's slow, she's stiff, but... You know, when you get in there, it's a, it's a, it's a different story. You know that dude in the NFC that, um, what's his name? The, uh, like older guy with the beard, uh, white Mike guy. Wilson. Um, yeah, Mike Wilson. You know, that's hey, he, he just won a fight against a like undefeated young kid the other day. But you know, but you know, like dudes grinded like several people. Like you know what I'm saying? Dudes that he that you thought were gonna knock him out or you know embarrass him. Um. And that's why I feel like Lauren Murphy is kind of like she's, uh, I mean, look, I agree, man. I mean, her interview, bro, is reeking of positivity. And I've been feeling that way for a long time. Um, I actually bet on her against the last girl. I forget her name um, from Russia or somewhere. Shakarova. Yeah, Shakarova. Um, and a lot of people were saying Shakarova's a live dog. Lauren Murphy should never be favorited that high. And uh, we saw how that turned out. Man, Lauren Murphy is doing her thing. Now, Calderwood, we know, is the more talented striker. But, yeah, I mean, we know her at Chalk, historically speaking, you know, she did win her last fight uh, against I. She looked good. She looked pretty good in that fight. Jessica I was a little bit over-aggressive, in my opinion. Um, you know, looked very sloppy. But the fact that she, I mean, she beat her, you know, very convincingly. And and I has wins over Chukagi and, and, you know, Arujo. So, we, we, you know, that was a solid win for her. Um it's a tough fight. I just view it as a 50-50 fight pretty much, man. I think that if it's one-to-one -one in the third round, I think that, I mean, Lauren Murphy is the side you want to be on because I do feel like she is a little bit tougher. I do feel like she is willing to maybe take more chances. Um, I do see some holes in that wrestling game of um, Joanne Calderwood that Lauren could possibly capitalize on. We have been seeing her hit the takedowns in these uh, last few fights, like against uh, Andrea and Roxanne and uh, the last girl that she fought. Um so, yeah, man, I think it's going to be a tough fight. Both girls are going to be bloody. And I'm going to say Lauren Murphy ekes out a uh, split decision win and then, you know, probably gets knocked out by Valentina um, coming up here. But, you know, uh, I think um, I, it's a good fight, man, because, you know, I agree with everything you said about Murphy. And Calderwood, man, it, it's like the Jennifer Maya fight, like, like that's the thing with her, man. Like one minute, like the Jessica I fight, like she shows a great, you know, well – you know, rounded skill set. But then, like, the Jennifer Maya fight, it's like, um, okay. <laughs> like, Jennifer Maya just absolutely molly-whopped her. Like, okay. Um, hey, 
she, you know, the Moreau's fight. I know you remember it. Well, me and Josh fight. We'll excuse her from that. But I know you remember that Calvillo fight or, you know, some of her other ones. But in yeah, Scotland, I, uh, in Scotland, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Murphy by split. But, you know, it's, it's a good, it's a close fight. Could go either way. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a rematch between Eric Anders. He's 13 and five. He's taking on the dentist. It's like it's like it's light heavy yeah. or middleweight Le- uh, light heavyweight. They're moving up for oh, this really? one. Darren Stewart, he's 12 and 6. Currently, they got Eric Anders minus 150. The comeback on Darren Stewart is plus 130. So these guys are running it back, except they're running it back up a weight class. First time they fought, um, I mean, Eric Anders knocked out Darren Stewart in the first round, but unfortunately landed an illegal knee. So it was called a no contest. But Eric was putting it on Darren Stewart. Um, can I, can I, let me go first in this one. Dude. Herb Dean is something else, man. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, that first fight, man, you know, I actually had um, a bet on Anders. And, I mean, Daniel, what, is, what do we have to do to get a fight stopped, man, with Herb? I mean, it's like, it's like, do we have to kill him or, like, you know? But Yeah, yeah man, I mean, um, it's ridiculous. Yeah. it's man, but, but the fact that it's at 205 kind of makes me even more confident in Eric now. Um, I don't feel like Darren Stewart. I mean, I know he fought at 205 when he first came in, but I mean, you saw how that went for him. Um, and I, I'm i surprised he, he did that because Eric's the bigger guy, in my opinion. So, uh, but yeah, as far as how they match up, man, I think that Eric has many paths to win. I mean, as we can see, we know he has the power to hurt Darren Stewart now, and he's the much bigger guy. But the I think the key to this fight for him is pushing Darren Stewart up against that fence, man. I think that Darren Stewart doesn't like, you know, clinch, grappling, heavy style type of fights. I think it frustrates him. And I feel like Darren Stewart is one of these guys. Well, he's a dog now, so I can't even say that. But, you know, for a lot of times, I always feel like he's just a tad bit overrated. But look, the the fact that these guys just fought. I think that uh, Anders has the mental edge coming into this one. I like that he left uh, Alabama. He's with my boy Santino and Eddie Cha now. So, you know, he's got the the right team behind him. Um, So I'm expecting even – it's not even improvements. It's just, you know, putting that switch on. Like, let the hands go, bro, and stop trying to – you know, kick and, and, uh, you know, like throw these little, you know, bantamweight attacks, you know, be a big bully and be mean, you know? And I think, I mean, that last fight was a, was a great sign of that. So I got to go with Eric for the win here. Darren Stewart, um, is a tough guy. And, and I hate how the price is completely flipped, but at the same time, man, that fight was looking like, uh, was very one-sided, man. And another thing I wanted to say is I'm not saying that, um, Eric should be lucky that was a, a no contest and not a DQ and and all that stuff. But I also feel like Herb, I don't want to say tricked him into throwing that knee, but, but you know, I just feel like Herb should have, like, right before he threw the knee, like, Herb's, like, you know, on his knee looking at him and saying, don't knee him. And I think that Eric, you know, I mean, you know, hey, it's his fault anyways. But I think he got kind of baited into that. But, you know, it is what it is. They get to run it back. So I'm, I'm going to go with Eric Anders by decision this time. Yeah, look, uh, fight ready changes lives. That's where Eric Anders did this last camp uh, for the first Darren Stewart fight. Uh, I mean, you look at a guy like Henry Cejudo. He was always an Olympic athlete, goes to fight ready, becomes a champ champ. You look at Patricio Pitbull, always a great athlete, goes to fight ready, becomes a champ champ. You look at Eric Anders, always a D1 athlete, goes to fight ready, 
uh, knocks out Darren Stewart in the first round. So now they're running it back, and he didn't decide that, oh, you know what? I already knocked this guy out. Now I'm going to go do this camp in Alabama. He went back to Fight Ready in April, which, interestingly enough, Fight Ready is in Arizona where this fight is taking place. So he's actually going to build upon his last performance. He's not going to just maintain. He's going to get even better. So that's something I like to see, whereas Darren Stewart, he's one of these guys that – um you know, it's kind of hit or miss. It's it's 50-50. You know, he hits very hard. I've always thought he's a hard hitter. He's got sneaky elbows. I think his, you know, get-up game is getting a lot better, too. It, it's just that it seems to me, like, in this fight, that Eric might have his number. Um, Eric is a little bit more physical than him. And that's the first time I've ever seen Darren Stewart go down to strikes. I've never seen Darren Stewart get floored. I've seen him get subbed in the past, but he got ran through, and... I'm not sure about Darren Stewart's training situation. Like we talk about Eric Anders training at fight ready, which is amazing. That takes athletes to new levels. Isn't like the UK, like someone in the chat, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, aren't they like on lockdown right now? Like, isn't like, isn't his training situation kind of fucked? So I don't know. And then moving up to 205, this guy is definitely not a 205 or so I'm gonna go Eric Anders. The only thing is this. Every fight is different, so we can't just bank on another Eric Anders first-round knockout. Like Every every fight's completely different, so who knows how this one's going to go, but I'm going to say Eric Anders gets the dub uh, this time. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a striker's delight between Drew Dober. He's 23-10. and 10. He's taking on Brad Riddell, who's 9-1. and 1. Currently, they got Drew Dober minus 140. The comeback on Brad Riddell is plus 125. So, Shaq, I mean, I have a feeling these two are going to stand and bang until one man falls or until they're awarded that uh, 50K fight of the night bonus. You think anyone's going to kind of throw a wrench into the plans and shoot a takedown here? Or are they going to kind of, you know, have a dick measuring contest and see who the better man is? I know Dober ain't, so, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, man, I'm, I'm super excited for this fight because I'm a big fan of uh, Dober. I, I like Dober, man. I think he's just super positive. I, I just like him as a uh, as a person. And then uh, Riddell, man, I mean, he's only, what, three fights in the UFC, but, I mean, shown a lot of good skills in those three fights, um, a fight of the night performance. His fight with Leiko da Silva was good. The Mustafaya fight was good. So I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Brad Riddell's as well. So serious kickboxer, a good coach as well. You know, he coaches my boy uh, Alexander the Great, you know, the featherweight champion. And, uh, man, I think that uh, this is a good fight, man, because I feel like basically this is an interesting spot for Dober because I know Makachev is a grappler and that fight kind of doesn't really, like, you know, matchup wise doesn't really pertain here, but at the same time, it almost was kind of like a demoralizer. Um, you know, I'm I'm interested to see how how he comes back after that. Um, especially against a, a guy like Brad Riddell, who's like on the outside of the top 15 looking in. Um, basically, how I see this fight going, man, I feel like Riddell might be like the better decision maker down the stretch. You know, uh, maybe slightly better IQ, but. I feel like Dober would be smart to mix in a takedown or two just to just to give him a different look. I mean, I don't you know, I know Dober's known for his striking and his power, but, you know, I don't know if you want to come in here with the game plan to, uh, you know, outstrike and out kickbox Brad Riddell. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that might not be the uh, the smartest game plan, but I do see I do think Dober has a speed advantage. I think he honestly has a power advantage as well, too. Um, it's just I think Riddell might have like a second win almost like in those late rounds um, where like he looks tired, but then like he kind of just picks it up and, and ends up outclassing the dude severely. Um, This is a step up for him. So I definitely understand why, 
Um, Dober's the favorite. I mean, Dober's been in there with Dariu. She's been in there with uh, – he knocked out Alexander Hernandez. Um, I mean, the dude's definitely accomplished more in his career. Nasrat hack harassed by knockout. I mean, you know, um, dude's been there and done that. So um, I'm going to go with Brad Riddell, though, man. I, I think that Dober's going to start strong, but I think in rounds two and three, man, that Riddell's just going to – kind of be landing the counters um i think it could be kind of more of like a uh a slow plotty like kickboxing fight in the middle of the cage um i'm telling you right now alexander alexander hernandez is a nice kid but you know <laughs> you know i don't know i think brad riddell poses a lot more threats uh in the in, in the stand-up department man so we'll see what happens but i i, I wouldn't be shocked if Dober knocked him out early either. I think he's got a speed advantage, uh, um, you know, power edge early on. But I want to see what happens in rounds three, two and three, because I have seen Dober kind of get a little fatigued before at times. Um, he does cut a lot of weight. Um, so does Riddell. But I think it's a 50-50 fight, close to a 50-50 fight. So I'm going to take Brad Riddell uh, by close, close decision. Well, you said it's not always the best game plan to, you know, try to come out and stand and bang with a guy like Brad Riddell. I think the same thing can be said for Dober. It's not the best game plan to come out and stand and bang with Dober. I think it's best to take him down. This is a great fight uh, for a lot of reasons. And I'm personally not too worried about the Islam Makachev fight because I have seen Dober, you know, take his L's and just come back. It just bounced back. And and that kind of thing is not going to happen here. And he's got such a positive attitude that it's almost like, I, as far as I know, I mean, only he truly knows. But as far as I know, it's almost like, he does that, that. It's almost like that fight didn't happen. That has no grounds, no bearing in what's going to happen here with Brad Riddell. And Brad Riddell's a very good prospect, no doubt about it. He's got good striking too. Um, it's just that you know some of these fights against much lower level guys than Dober. You know, for example, Malarkey flooring him in that third round. The De Silva fight being one-one going into the third round. Now, granted, he did what he was supposed to do. Brad Riddell got those dubs, but I think this is a step up in competition. I think that Drew Dober has paid his dues inside that octagon. You said the speed advantage. I honestly think that he's the cleaner guy here, too. I think that Brad Riddell, look, his arsenal, his experience, everything, it's great. I think he's kind of like the stiffer guy here, whereas I think Drew Dober's a little bit more fluid. I think he's more comfortable inside the octagon. He's had way more time in there. I'm going to go with Drew Dober, actually, to uh, to get this done. This is the kind of fight that he excels in. Um, but this is the kind of fight both guys excel in. But I think that Dober is the better guy. I think he's further along right now in his career. So... For that reason, uh, I'm going to take uh, Drew Dober to get this win. And, uh, man, I'm excited for this Lima and Amasov fight uh, tomorrow. But before we talk about that, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Jamal Hill. He's 9-0. and He's taking on Paul Craig, who's 14-4. and Currently, they got Jamal Hill minus 290. The comeback on Paulie Craig is plus 245. You, you all good over there, uh, Shaq? Uh, My camera thing just went out, but we're good. Okay. Um, okay, there you go. Now I can see you great. Perfect. Anyways, so like I said, Jamal Hill minus 290, Paul Craig plus 245. This is a, this is a great fight. This is the perfect next test for uh, Jamal Hill. You know, um, listen, I've already told you guys how I feel about Jamal Hill uh, many, many times. I'm very, very impressed. I'm very high on this prospect. Uh, this is a guy who... Obviously, he hits hard like a light heavyweight, but he's got the output of a bantamweight. I mean, remind me the last time you saw a 205er 
land over 100 strikes in a three-round fight and everybody criticizing his ground game um, because of the Darko Stosich fight. I mean, look, he got taken down six times. Get, how many times did he get back up? He got back up six times. How long was he held down for? Not long at all. So, you know, because I think people are under the impression that Jamal Hill is just, you know, it's just another Rumble Johnson. It's just another Melvin Guillard where, like, on the feet, you got to be careful. But all you got to do is just take this guy down, put your arm around his neck. He's going to quick tap, and that's it. And I'm here to let you guys know that that's simply not the case. Like, this guy is the real deal. This guy is well-rounded. And, uh, look, Paul Craig, he's made a lot of improvements too, man. I mean, the Paul Craig that we used to see compared to the guy now, I mean, he's still the same guy, but, man, is – takedown entries are getting better you know some of those kicks he's throwing now they're not you know against uh, alonzo menafield he was just spamming spin kicks he got knocked out but now you know against uh shogun who i see some of those kicks going upstairs like traditional muay thai kicks uh, his takedowns are getting better his series on the ground he's a very dangerous guy he's paid his dues i got a lot of respect for paul craig no doubt about it. he's very prideful uh scott and i actually love scotland i went there as a kid long ass time ago and i'll always have good memories there so shout out to our scottish fans um but look, man, I think that Paul Craig's in over his head here, man. I think that the difference uh, on the feet and output and technique and not only that, because usually if you take someone now and they get back up, well, maybe then they start to get a little tired. Maybe then the output starts to wane. That's just not the case. You take Jamal down, he pops right back. All of a sudden, you know, the jabs, the straight lefts, the arsenal of kicks, um, everything, man. He's got the full package. I think this guy, the way people regard ankle leave, the way people regard uh Rockets, even the way people used to regard Dominic Reyes, that's how I regard Jamal Hill. So I think Saturday night, uh, he's going to make a big statement. I think he's going to knock out Paul Craig, and I think we're going to be looking at a new uh, contender in the light heavyweight division. So, yeah, I I'm sticking with Jamal Hill here, and I think he's a very underestimated guy. I know now the times are finally catching up, but, dude, I remember getting pick him on Jamal Hill against Clinton Abreu. <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember getting under 2-1 to one against OSP, and he ran through these guys like it was nothing. And also, Darko Sosich, y'all better not shit on Darko because look what he's been doing outside the UFC. Darko's been killing some dudes. Uh, he's been launching people. And honestly, Darko kind of got the short end of the stick in the UFC because that Kennedy fight, he won two rounds of that Kennedy fight. He just got deducted two points. So he ends up losing a controversial decision. And then, you know, you lose three in a, three in a row, you get cut. But the reality is Darko actually won that fight in terms of rounds. Um, so just keep that in mind. But all, all that being said, uh, I got Jamal Hill here via domination. Yeah, um... Yeah, I got Jamal Hill here, man. I think Craig's definitely gotten better. I still see some holes, man. Um, especially when he when he's backing up, like when his opponents are pressuring him. And I think he's gotten better, but I still don't know if it's enough to say that this guy, you know, he, what is he number fifteen now? Like I, I applaud Paul Craig for how far he's come, man. Because at one point I, I didn't see him. Um, I mean, I don't think many people saw him getting to this point. I mean, the fact that he somehow managed to beat Anka Leave and Kennedy, man, props to him. Um, I think uh, his last fight was, I mean, look, how old is Shogun? Like, I don't know, he's not 40, but I mean, in fight, in fight years, he's... Five years, he's 80. <laughs> in fight years, dude's super old. And, and, you know, the way that first fight went, I mean, I know it, it made sense that Paul Craig was going to dominate that rematch. Um, and I mean, he exa that's exactly what he did, man. Um, Shogun's on the tail end of his career. Um, Jamal Hill, one thing I, I feel like what's different about him than maybe some of the other 205 prospects I've been on is 
just more of like uh like a, a legit like fundamental style to fall back on if you know we can't knock them out like johnny walker and all these other guys like you know they have the the flash and you know the, the super spectacular but like dude's got a simple one two game down the middle he's gonna keep throwing that one two down the middle he's got the teeps the left high kicks um yeah maybe we haven't necessarily seen him on the floor but just my vibe from him man is uh I, I mean, if, if that's what Paul Craig is banking on, then I guess that's what he has to bank on. Um, sure, Paul Craig is uh, better at jujitsu, but I think that Paul Craig still has some uh, more work to put in. Not saying like not saying that he's unproven, but I need to see more than just a victory over an aging competitor in Shogun Hula, or you know, get a uh, stunt Tigilov, you know, or um, or. Uh, uh Richards, uh, the the dude uh, that Eric Anders knocked out. You know what I'm talking about um, the Brazilian guy. Mamuchi. Yeah, Mamuch. <laughs> you know, like I think he's those are good wins and all, but like I still need to see more. I, I will give him props for the Ankeleev and Kennedy ones. I mean, but we do know that he was pretty much losing like that entire fight <laughs> until he uh, until he pulled those arm bars off. And Jamal's got to mind his p's and q's. I mean, he can't. You don't want that because I mean. You know, those guys, I mean, we know that if they fought Paul Craig again, it would it would probably go a, a different story. And, you know, you only got one time to fight him. So Paul Craig is a guy that people make a lot of fatal mistakes against. Um, but, yeah, man, I got Jamal Hill. I just think the stand-up advantage is too wide here. Um, Paul Craig, he tilts his chin up in the air when he gets pressured. And if he does that here, there's a good chance he gets knocked out. So. I'm going with uh, Jamal Hill here. He's just been passing these tests, man. Um, I know his last two opponents missed late, but, I mean, dude, he ran through them like it was nothing, you know. So I'm going with uh, Jamal Hill here. Hey, real quick, before we move on to the next fight, um, your, your volume is a little bit lower since that camera issue happened. Uh, is, is there a knob you can turn up or maybe move that mic closer to you? Um, I mean, I, I heard you fine, but it was a little bit, like, lower than it was throughout the rest of the show. So talk to me really quickly. Let me let me let me let me hear you real quick. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. All right. Next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Damian Maya. He's 28 and 10. He's taking on Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad, who's 18 and 3. Currently, they got Bilal Muhammad minus 220. The comeback on Damian Maya is plus 185. Damian Maya, future Hall of Famer, legend of the sport, someone I got so much respect for. Um, has had submissions in two different weight classes, arguably one of the best jujitsu practitioners in the history of the UFC. And, I mean, he's 43 years old, and he's still killing it, man. So uh, he's still in the top 10 at 43 years old. So what a badass. Nothing but respect for uh, for Damian Maya. And Bilal Muhammad's come a long way. I mean, I've been, you know, I've known about Muhammad since before he was in the UFC. Remember when he fought Steve Carl and Titan FC, the kind of pace he put on him? He took I took note of him right, right away. And he's been a stud in the UFC, man. He's really been doing his thing. And you start to slow down. You start to gas out on a guy like Bilal Muhammad. And uh, he will tee off on you. And one thing, my boy Maya, if you got to criticize something, it is that gas tank. And um, listen, uh, I think that just breaking this fight down, first round, look, Worst case scenario, Damian Maya takes his back first round. 
But Bilal is a very highly intelligent individual, and he's aware of the fact that if he gets his back taken the first round, he's not going to just squirm around like a fish and just, you know, give Maya an opportunity to to choke him out. I think it's going to be a case where if Maya gets his back in that first round, that, you know, Bilal Muhammad will actually accept losing the first round. Hey, you got me in this spot. You take the first round. But come second and third round, we're taking you to a little place called Deep Waters, that same spot that Rory McDonald took him to. And I, I know people are saying, oh, just because Gilbert Burns knocked him out, this and that doesn't mean – guys, it's not just Gilbert Burns. Damian Myers lost 10 times. Ten people have figured out the blueprint on how to beat this guy. Um, but, again, I got all the respect in the world for Damian Myers. Look, I don't often speak in absolutes. Uh, I've only spoken in absolutes twice. I'm about to do it thrice. Look, the times I've spoken in absolutes, I said no guy named Muhammad is losing a judge's decision in Abu Dhabi. You know, go and He ends up finishing Sada. We didn't have to go there. I said no guy named Muslim is losing a judge's decision in Abu Dhabi. You saw Salikov win that decision over Zaleski. Now I'm about to speak in absolutes again. No 43-year-old is beating Bilal Muhammad in a fight, period. I, I got Bilal Muhammad to get the biggest win of his career here, enter the top 10, and uh, we'll see uh, what happens next. But Saturday night will be Bilal Muhammad's night, and I hope that the legend Damian Maya comes back. And, man, I wanted to see him retire against Diego Sanchez. I wanted to see him get the Cowboy Cerrone fight, you know, go out on a win or something. Uh He's not going out on a win Saturday night. So I, I got Bilal Muhammad for the win. And when this hits deep waters, uh, you will see uh, Damian Maya flop to his back. You will see him shoot from a mile away. And then you'll see Bilal Muhammad put that pace on him. And uh, I look forward to it. Bilal Muhammad for the win. Yeah. Um, I think, honestly, out of all the, out of all the, like, minus two-something favorites, I honestly think that Muhammad might be the the more sure the most sure thing. Honestly, man, um, I think that you know I don't Maya's a legend. We all know that, but I think the blueprint is out there, man. I think when you see one guy do it, two guys do it, three guys do it, four guys do it, I think that the Bilal Muhammad should feel really confident. Now, do we know that? Um, I don't. What is, what is his jujitsu? Brown, black, brown, black, brown, brown. But he trained with. Uh, my boy, what's his name? Coach Daniel from Rufus Sport for a while. So. Daniel Wanderley. For, former Rufus Sport. Former Rufus Sport. They had a falling out. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. But like uh that dude's a serious jujitsu coach. I mean, like all like he had Mershart, Manny Sanchez, like all his Brendan Allen for a while, like all them dudes have uh have good jujitsu. So I, I I'm I'm assuming Bilal Muhammad is no different. Um, I don't know who he's training with. I know he left Rufus Sport, right? Who's he training with Bilal? in Chicago? Uh, with uh, Lewis Taylor and uh, Valley Flow Striking. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I just, where I just see this being a terrible matchup for Maya is just the pace. I just think that like Bilal Muhammad pushes a serious pace and maybe nothing is necessarily like one shot powerful or you know, overwhelming or anything. It's just that the dude is just going to pepper you and pepper you. And I feel like, honestly, this fight could be like like the Covington fight, but just, you know, more striking. As in, like, second and third round, Maya is going to be exhausted. Like, Bilal Muhammad, like, he might not be strong or, you know, necessarily like a spectacular finisher or anything like that, but the dude just has a consistent, steady pace. I mean, he, I know he's a, he was a lawyer, right? He fights like a lawyer, you know? Uh, he, well, <laughs> you know his, his parents wanted him to be a lawyer, but he, he chose to be a fighter. Yeah, but the dude, uh, I mean, dude fights very smartly, you know? Uh, he's very efficient. 
I mean, he makes very good decisions um, despite, you know, getting dropped here and there a couple of times, but it's not like he has to worry about that here in this fight. Um, but yeah, I see this being kind of smooth selling for him, man. I think if Damian can't get him down and submit him that first time, I mean, I think Damian might be fucked here. Like, I, I just see think Bilal Muhammad, like, did you see that fight against um, my hometown boy, Diego? I mean, I know it's Diego, but, like, holy, man, the, the type of, I mean, he wasn't taking on rest. My boy Diego was like, bro, can we just get, like, <laughs> just a little rest? Like, can we clinch for a little bit? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, he was just over. Same thing with um, my boy Lyman, too. Like, Lyman cracked him, but, like, and, you know, I think – the reason why Bilal won that fight is just activity, man. I just think he's going to outwork Damian Maya by a, a significant margin um, on Saturday night. And I'll say by uh, 30, 26, maybe a 29, 27 on one card, you know, something like that. Um, I think the, the towards the end, I mean, we've seen so many times where, you know, if Damian can't get those takedowns, he'll wilt. He'll wilt. Um, and I think that Bilal Muhammad's kind of proven himself like uh, enough He's got a large sample size. Maybe not the the best like you know name value on his wins, but he's fought like a lot of you know decent guys where we can say okay he's separated himself from that you know top 20, 25 type level. You know I think he solidified himself as a top fifteen guy. So um, he's my pick to win here. Now next up in the welterweight division we got the featured bout between Leon Rocky Edwards he's 18 and 3 he's taking on the man Nate Diaz who's 20 and 12 currently they got Leon Edwards minus 600 the comeback on Nate Diaz is plus 450 now real quick got to let everybody know this is a five round fight between Nate Diaz and Leon Edwards not a three round fight it's a five round fight you know my boy Nate can call shots like that um listen i'm a huge Diaz brothers fan but i mean i'm also been watching the sport a long ass time but you know when you talk about the diaz brothers and you talk about the wins that they got i mean they got wins over conor mcgregor they got wins over robbie lawler bj penn um cowboy cerrone the list goes on and on so and man nate diaz is a guy that gets counted out a lot when he fought uh, cowboy cerrone and for some of y'all noobs don't talk about cowboy cerrone now with the five fight skate i'm talking about back uh on the co-main event of brock lesnar versus Overeem. Nate Diaz was a big underdog to Cerrone. He surprised a lot of people. When Nate Diaz fought Jim Miller, he was a plus 220 underdog. He surprised a lot of people. When he fought Michael Johnson, he was a huge underdog. He surprised a lot of people. When he fought Conor McGregor, he was a huge underdog. He surprised a lot of people. So even when he came back against Anthony Pettis. So Nate Diaz is a guy that when you count him out, he does his best work. He's just a he's a tall, awkward guy. You know, it's uh, one of those things where, you know, the punches come from weird angles and obviously his jujitsu's on point. The only thing with Diaz is that he plays by his own rules, you know, like he's not going to come out here trying to stuff takedowns. He, he'll be on his back. He'll start slapping you and then he'll act like he won the fight. You know, he's a, he's an interesting, unique individual. He plays by his own rules. Um, my only concern here, obviously is in terms of a finish happening is that Diaz does cut very easily. Um, and Leon's very sharp with those elbows, man. Like, especially in that Rafael Dos Anjos fight and that Cowboy Cerrone fight. So I'm kind of worried about, you know, five rounds about this being some kind of cut stoppage. Cause one thing about you said, what brother you said the Masvidal fight. Yeah, yeah, the Masvidal fight, man. I watched that fight the other day. What an entertaining fight. Like I'd love to see. Two more rounds. That not saying Diaz would have won or anything. Just, just I was so entertained when I watched that fight the other day. I was like, damn, this is exciting. Um, but yeah, uh, 
He cuts very easily, doesn't try to stuff takedowns, just fights his own way, man. Uh, but here's the thing. It, one thing I respect that Leon, he doesn't really take any unnecessary risks, and that's maybe why he's you know, kind of considered a boring fighter, but he's very technical. He's very surgical with his strikes, doesn't do anything he doesn't need to do. He's good everywhere the fight goes. He's bit, he's beat some legitimate competition. If he can keep his focus on, he should be able to kind of cruise to a, to a decision win, maybe a cut stoppage win. It's just that if he, you know, starts to get a little cocky if you know the fans start to get to him that hey you're not the most exciting guy he wants to come out here and brawl with diaz he wants to come out here fight uncharacteristic he starts gassing out you know diaz is a triathlete those are the spots where you know diaz could get an upset but but aside from that and i love i love the diaz brothers i, I just have to go with the favorite here i just personally wouldn't lay minus 600 on leon edwards in this spot um I would personally just stay away because, you know, I, I don't think Nate's going to win, but plus 450 on Nate, you never know. But I, I, I'm going to go with Leon to, to just kind of win a decision here. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty simple here, man. Um, Leon, yeah, dude's solid. I mean, I, I mean, dude's as well-rounded as it gets. Good straight left, good boxing, good kicks, good. I mean, his wrestling game since the Usman fight really took off. Um, he's hitting multiple takedowns per fight. Look at some of these wins. Luke, Tsumenov, uh, Dos Anjos. Um, I mean, dude's definitely uh, been Cerrone. Dude's definitely been putting in his work. Um, like you said, he doesn't really take uh, any unnecessary risk. Um, yeah, man. Diaz, since he's been back, I really, I, I, I do think he's took a step down, even in the Pettis fight. Um, like Pettis, look, I like Anthony. He's a, I don't think, you know, maybe not, because I'm knowing my ruffle feathers when I say that. Um, but. I think hey, that yes, Pettis, he is. Yes, he is. Shut the fuck up. Yes, he is. <laughs> I mean, he's not. I'll bet, I bet you he won't end up in there. But anyways, um, I think that uh, I think that, yeah, like there was a good um, like Anthony Pettis. I mean, the blueprint has been out there to beat him. Um, I mean, I know my boy Eddie Alvarez famously said a few years back, you know, said if you haven't figured out how to beat Anthony Pettis, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um but yeah, man, I think uh, I just think the takedowns are going to be there all night. Um, he just needs to manage his cardio. That's where people uh, mess up on Diaz. You know, they they uh, tee off on him early. I mean, 10-8 rounds early. And then, you know, by the middle rounds, uh, they're out of gas. And, you know, he still has some. Like you said, he is a triathlete. But I really don't see anywhere he can, like, win this fight um, unless Leon beats himself by gassing, by gassing himself out. Um, I think uh, Leon's probably going to do his thing here, man, that the extra two rounds kind of have me a little in concern just because I haven't seen Leon go five rounds in a while. But this last time he did go five rounds against those Anjos, he, he definitely did his thing. Uh, he definitely did his thing there. So, yeah, I think this is pretty cut and dry. I think that Diaz, I don't know how he's going to win this fight <laughs> unless, like I said, unless Leon uh, – Gets tired. I mean, he's at a severe disadvantage here. You look at that Pettis fight. I, I thought it was a very sloppy, t from a technical standpoint, even from for his standards. Like I've seen him look a lot better technically speaking. I just think he was tougher. Um, and Pettis. I mean, I know you remember some of that talking Pettis was doing uh, before that fight. I think he just got he Diaz got in his head. <laughs> um, and then you got uh, and then his last fight with Masvidal. Um, going into it, I thought it would be an easy fight for Masvidal, and I mean, that's kind of how it played, and 
the reason why I feel like Leon might be honestly beat him by a larger margin is I, I like Masvidal, but he he's not a top a top five guy in my opinion. Like I know he knocked out Askren and um who else did he beat? Um Till. Till and, and you know all those guys, but like Till, like Till's won like one fight in his last like I mean like two fights in his last however many. Um and I mean, George kind of looked really slobby, real slobby in that fight and still kind of dominated him for the most part, man. So I'm going with uh, Leon Edwards. I'm going to actually say he stops him. I'm going to actually say Leon comes out here and probably does get the cut stoppage. Um, those Diaz brothers, we know they have an absurd amount of scar tissue in them up in that in that forehead area in that eyebrow area, you know. Um, and they, I mean, like you said, his last fight got stopped. Multiple fights in the past have gone stopped, so. I'm going to go with Leon by uh, fourth round TKO. Co-main event of the evening for the flyweight belt. We got the champ, Davison Dice Dugea Figueredo. He's 21-1. and one. He's taking on Brandon, the assassin baby Moreno, who's 18-5-2. Currently, they got Davison Dice Dugea Figueredo, minus 210. The comeback on Brandon Moreno is plus 175. So these guys fought before. It was a draw. A controversial draw in my eyes. I mean, I thought that, you know, this whole fucking narrative about, oh, Davison, he's first round or bust. Oh, really? So what happened when him and Pantoja fought and all three judges scored at 30-27? What happened in this Moreno fight when it was the fifth round? Time to dig deep. Who dug deep? The champion dug deep. So, you know, this whole, oh, he's first round or bust. Oh, really? Then why do he win the fifth round of his last fight? So, yeah, this whole first round or bust thing is one of the biggest myths I've ever heard. People need to uh, give Davis and Dice Duguea Figueredo his due respect. And listen, Brandon Moreno is a tough Mexican warrior. You know, I got a lot of respect for him. I cashed a ticket on Moreno uh, against Dustin Ortiz back in the day, right? He finished him. So I got nothing but respect for him. I just think that right now is Davis and Figueredo's time. The only thing I'm worried about is this, is that these weight cuts for Davison. They're going to add up. He's massive for flyweight. At some point, Davison's going to have to go to Bantamweight, and I think he'll have a great career there. It's just about when is that going to happen, man, because these fucking weight cuts are just they're hellacious, man. He's already I know he's already struggling. If you all saw that embedded, uh, the workouts he's doing in his hotel, my boy Davison's already struggling. So uh, Davison hasn't eaten food in weeks, bro. (laughs) Exactly. Like, uh. (laughs) Because, I mean, you remember uh, when he missed weight for that one fight, that Brazilian barbecue he had, he was eating the meat off the bone and shit. Like, so, yeah. But anyways, uh, for the first Benavides fight, yeah. Yeah. So as far as this fight is concerned, I mean, I think it's a similar situation. I think that Davidson's got more firepower. I think he's more well-rounded. I think people sleep on his jujitsu, which is unbelievable. Um, And and I think he's going to hurt Brandon Moreno. It's just about, you know, if he doesn't get Brandon out of there, because Brandon is super durable, um, that you're going to have to deal with a Mexican warrior that's going to be in your face, that's going to be fighting hard, that's going to try to push a pace on you. But the the firepower that Davidson brings to the table is just different for flyweight standards. And also, I know I keep bringing this up. Do not sleep on his jujitsu. Like, do not be surprised if Davison submits uh, Brandon uh, Moreno in this fight. Brandon's been submitted before uh, against Pantoja. I know you remember that. So, yeah. Um, but I could see the knockout too. I thought he knocked him down uh, in that last fight. That he never got accredited for a knockdown, but I thought he knocked him down in that fight. And now I'm hearing that there was a whole bunch of shit going on. With, you know, with Davison, he had to cut weight twice in two weeks as he fought Alex two weeks Alex Perez two weeks prior I didn't even factor all that when I was watching the fight like when I was watching the fight I was just seeing a champion defend his belt I was like oh yeah Davidson won that fight then they scored it a draw I was like what <laughs> so listen um 
every fight's different, right? Uh, sometimes they go the five round distance. The next time it ends inside the distance. I think this time it will end inside the distance. And I think, and still, Dice Dugea Figueredo, the the flyweight champion of the of the world. Uh, I think Davidson's going to defend that belt again. My only concern is when will these weight cuts start to really take a toll on him? Because he will have to end his career at bantamweight, maybe even featherweight down the line, Shaq. But right now, I think he's uh, he's got his shit under control. I think he's focused. I think he's ready. I'm going to go Davis and Figueredo to defend the belt. Yeah, um, that was my big worry, you know, going into the Moreno fight was because uh, I know my boy cuts, you know, big, large amounts of weight and doing that twice in a span of a, a couple of weeks, man, it is for him could be very deadly. I, I heard uh, he, he was in the hospital after the, the weight cut against uh, Moreno the first time. So we do know there were some factors going against him. Um, as far as how the fight went, Moreno got a lot of takedowns. Um, Davison, I honestly felt like Davison didn't respect him enough, man. Um, especially like he just came out. Uh, I think he won the first round, if I'm not mistaken. But I think in that second, maybe or second or third round, like I just felt like Davison had fought him with his hands down the entire time. Um, like didn't really try to slip any shots. I truly think that Davison, um, after that Perez fight, that he just kind of thought, I'm going to run over this guy here as well, you know? Uh, and we know Moreno is a tough guy, man. He, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised he did not get forward at, in that fight, man. He ate them shots. Like, uh, I give him a lot of respect. So, look, I'm acknowledging the fact that Davison, you know, this might not be one of his typical vicious KOs. I mean, he might have to beat Brandon Moreno up for five rounds because this kid just, I mean, he's very tough. He's not going to give up, man. Um, yeah, I think that, a lot, honestly, a lot of Moreno's success just came off of mistakes that Davison made, and I still feel like, I feel like that was honestly one of the more sloppier performances of Davison's career, and he still won. Like, I feel like Davison's heart was shown in that fight. Like, uh, what was the, the, what was the real bad round that he had where he got rocked? Was it the third or the fourth? Um, yeah, one of those two. Yeah, one of those, and he, I mean, where he, Moreno clearly won the round, and the fact that he, like, willed himself back together to win the fifth round just shows that there there is something there to this guy man he does have that championship heart that championship spirit now moreno completely it was kind of weird i don't know if he had an injury but it was almost like he stopped fighting in the fifth round um i know they said there was something going on with his forearm in that fifth round um, so maybe that was why. Um, so we'll see, man. I look, I wouldn't be shocked if this is another dog fight, man, back and forth. Um, I just see this time Davison, you know, with that full camp to prepare, you know, um, I mean, from the looks of it, man, you look at, take a look at his IG, they up the strength and conditioning up to a, to a whole ball game for this fight. Um, and, and they don't like a lot of the things that Brandon Moreno has been saying, um, you know, Brandon Moreno, after the fight, he, he kind of got excited and he kind of started saying some things. And, uh, you know, when you go to draw with Figueredo, hey, I get it. I, I get excited, too, you know. Um, but Brandon, you know, he was saying some things, uh, you know, while he didn't like saying that, uh, you know, how is, how could Davison uh, beat Henry Cejudo when he couldn't even beat me? <laughs> you know, so, things like that. And Davison, uh, you know, he didn't like those. So, you know, we'll see what happens on Saturday night. I think that Davison probably knocks him out but i mean if he has to go to decision i think that the heart and, and you know this whole gas out thing is kind of remind uh reminds me of something like with uh vittori a little bit too like he he's he's such a he's such a gasser but he's winning these fifth rounds you know what i'm saying so uh we'll we'll see we'll see what happens man but i'm gonna go with uh davison figueredo from a betting perspective 
I mean, the line is what? What was the last time the line was like? What minus three something? Minus it actually it, it opened exactly the same for both fights. Minus two seventy five. Yeah. So last time uh, Davison got steamed. This time, you know, people are playing Moreno here. Um, I, I'm curious to see if Moreno can perform like that again. I, I respect him. It definitely come a long way, but I'm gonna go with and still Figueroa. Yes, sir. So before we talk about the main event, everybody watching, do us a favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Truly appreciate it. Main event of the evening. We got another rematch. We got the champ, Israel Adesanya, the last style bender. He's 20 and one. He's taking on Marvin, the Italian dream, Vittori, who's 17, three and one. Um, how badass is it that Marvin got this uh, Dolce Gabbana sponsorship? So that's cool that Italy is getting behind him. Currently, they got Israel Adesanya minus 260. The comeback on Marvin Vittori is plus 220. So, man, first fight was great. Uh, I thought that Izzy clearly won the first two rounds. I thought Marvin clearly won the third. Here's the big trend that I've been noticing, my man, um, in, in these Izzy fights. In the third round, especially against you know some tougher competition, it's like people are sitting here saying, oh, Izzy has no ground game. Oh, really? If Izzy had no ground game, then how come Jan Blachowicz didn't pass his guard and, pa and pound him out? If Izzy has no ground game, how come Jan Blachowicz didn't pass his guard and submit him, right? So this whole no ground game shit is just, that's total bullshit. What he's lacking is his get-up game isn't quite the best. It's not like dudes are passing his guard or or destroying him on the mat. They're just kind of holding him down. That's what I'm worried about here because Marvin Vittori, he's got damn good top control. He's a very strong individual. And the other thing he's got going for him that we've always talked about is his iron jaw. He's got that blockhead, as Israel Adesanya likes to say. You hit this guy with your cleanest shots, and he just looks at you and smiles and keeps walking forward. He's... So it's one of those things where um, I do think that Izzy's the more skilled fighter, but Shaq, uh, we talk about this often, and I know some people believe in this, some people don't believe in this, but destiny. Sometimes fighters won't be denied their uh, their night to be champion, whether it's Michael Bisping against Luke Rockhold, whether it's Jan Blahovich when he won the belt against Dominic Reyes, uh, Dustin Poirier in Atlanta against Max Holloway. Like, there's just, you know, when you've been paying your dues for so goddamn long, there just comes a night where all the stars align and you're not going to be denied. So my question is, is this going to be that night for Marvin Vittori to realize a dream? Man, I'm man. I've been a big fan of Marvin Vittori for a while, man. Like I think this kid has gone so under the radar, like for a while, I feel like his name really wasn't mentioned in like the series contender talks. And I know he really had the competition. Like he only beat Jack Hermanson and, you know, in Holland and stuff like that. So I, I get the, 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 you know, the reluctancy on him here. You know, I, I understand that, but just knowing the, the type of like competitor that he is, the type of athlete, like, I don't know if you've been watching the uh, embedded, but I, I, did you see his doctor, that guy, uh, my boy, Dr. Uh, Mateo, we actually follow each other. Now he's actually got um, Lauren Murphy on this card here as well. But like Marvin is basically like, one of those athletes that he's taken very well care of. Like this guy is a machine. They're like, like I mean, just look at him, dude. <laughs> like, he, like just look how big he is, 185. And I feel like the cardio thing is getting better, man. Like I saw a guy against. I don't think he's getting enough credit for that win against Jack. Now I know Jack doesn't really have hands and, um, and you know, it's more of a grappler here, different style matchup. But 
I think that, you know, cardio wise, like it finally showed that Marvin Vittori has the, you know, the the ability to push through fatigue and, and, and you know, win those championship rounds. Um, now, look, Adesanya is a different ball game, but I kind of feel like Adesanya, look, he should be the favorite here. He's the champ. He's the one that's had the, uh, you know, better performances against Rob Whitaker, Gastelum, um, Paulo Costa, but my my the I think the line's too wide on this one just due to the fact that Adesanya we look at that Gaslam fight and I mean yeah I thought he won clearly I mean we know how that fight got down uh, down the stretch but I still see openings especially him moving back when he moves back that t- he I mean he backs up with that chin sky high in the air and I think that his striking has a lot more holes than people realize now he did a good job against Blackovich but. I honestly think Bakovic beat him in an inside-the-pocket game as well. Israel definitely did his thing there. Um, but we saw, you know, what happened when he mixed it up and shot the takedowns. Um, you know, I agree with your take. Yeah, he's got a ground game. It's just these guys are better than him at grappling. It's just, you know, plain and simple. Uh, Vittori's better than him at grappling, and so is um, Jan, Jan Bakovic. Like, Vittori is a serious, serious underrated uh, black belt, man. Um but yeah, Adesanya, he's got their range, and I guess they're gonna play. Like, uh, Ad- the Adesanya side is gonna play the, you know, we'll let Marvin win the first round, maybe even two, and rounds three, four, and five will 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 take over like we did. The, uh, rounds three, four, and five will take over. But I mean, let's not forget in that first fight, it was actually Vittori that won the last round. It was, you know. Um, and, you know, Adesanya, look at his last two fights. He got completely um, – I mean, his last fight, he got dominated in the last – in the championship round. So I'm not conv- as convinced that he's going to have this cardio edge like that they – you know, a lot of people think that he's going to have in this fight on Saturday night. Now, will he snipe Vittori's head off at distance? I mean, there's a good chance. Marvin, his head doesn't move that much. It's hard to move a, a big, gigantic head like that. Um, you know, that's why they call him <laughs> That's why they call him Blackhead. So, look, if Izzy comes out here and just snipes him, you know, hey, that's understandable. But I think the line's too wide. Marvin Vittori, has he lost a round since he's been back from, uh, from USADA suspension? Marvin Vittori is out here rolling through these guys, and he's showing all of his skills, man. Like, I, I felt this way about the last fight, but I didn't have the uh, – you know, the boss to, to say Blackovich was going to win. But, man, I'm going to take Marvin Vittori to become the new middleweight champion on Saturday night. I just think he's going to outwork Adesanya, be on him, like, dirty, in the clinch. Um, not necessarily, like, you know, outstriking him or anything, but I think Marvin can land his shots, too. I mean, he landed shots in that first fight, um, you know, while they were boxing. I think his boxing has come a much longer way in. It's more of those things where I just think that he wants it more. I'm not saying that Adesanya has a motivation issue or, uh, um, you know, or anything like along those lines. I just think that Marvin, man, is super, super determined right now. And I just like the way he's performing round by round. Like, I've only th- – I think he's lost, like, one round since he's been – one out of the last 17 rounds. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm going with Marvin Vittori to become the new champion just by mixing it up outworking Adesanya, and I do think that cardio holds up. I just think the price is too wide. I, I'd set it, like, minus 175 Adesanya, maybe, like, you know, something like that. Like, the Paulo Costa fight was definitely a great performance. Like, he he did his thing, but... Marvin ain't getting drunk uh, on Friday night. Like, I don't know what to make. Like, I, it's not that I couldn't take it seriously, but during that fight, I was just like, what the hell is he doing? Like, <laughs> like he's... <laughs> 
he's putting his hands behind his back a minute in. He's like doing this thing. I'm like, oh, okay. So he Adesanya is just completely in his head, huh? So um, look, I, as long as Adesanya is not uh, getting completely mind fucked here by Adesanya, I think it's going to be a close fight down the stretch, man. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, interestingly enough, like I told you all at the beginning of the show, the first time they fought was in this exact arena in Glendale, Arizona. So it's interesting how you know they come full circle and now they do it for a belt. So I think Shaq brought up a lot of valid points. Like uh, you hear all of Vittoria's interviews, and you know, for a guy that was criticized for being such a meathead and you know this and that, like sounds like his head's on straight for this one. Sounds like he's focused determined sounds like he's ready to be a champ with izzy it's just that izzy is a very unique and special individual man i mean uh, you've seen obviously the striking arsenal he brings to the table i think that you know like i saw that triangle attempt he had on kelvin gasolum um i don't think his ground game is bad at all I, i'm just worried about him getting held down and also the you know the backing up with his air with his chin in the air thing that's very true but on the marvin side he does eat a lot of clean shots and his chin is fantastic. It's just how long can he eat all those clean shots where at some point it's going to go. And there was one moment in the Kevin Holland fight where Kevin actually might have rocked him a little bit. I believe it was round four. It's just that, you know, Kevin can't stuff a takedown to save his life. Izzy's got a little bit better takedown defense than that. Um, but I agree that the line is kind of wide, especially the first fight was a split decision. Um, and and now we've seen a little bit of more of the holes in Izzy's game exposed. So I do think the line should be a little closer. And again, like I said, with this whole destiny talk, like, you know, Charles Oliveira wasn't going to be denied for all his hard work. You know, Jan Blahovich wasn't going to be denied. Michael Bisbing, like all these guys, you know, one day they they get to that point where, you know, all their hard work pays off. Could this be that moment for Marvin Vittori? That's what I'm so intrigued about because I do think he's paid his dues. I do. He, and people saying, oh, he's just coming off a win over Kevin Holland. Guys, he's already been in there with Izzy Adesanya 15 minutes. So this isn't like some, you know, new experience for him. They're just both a lot better than they were the first time. I'm going to still go with Izzy Adesanya to, to defend his belt here, but Again, if this is truly Marvin Vittori's time, I can accept it because I've seen this thing. I've seen this kind of situation play out so many times over the years where someone that pays their dues gets rewarded for their hard work. <laughs> and that's simply it, man. Um, but I, I think Izzy's just a little bit more skilled than him. So I'm going to take him to edge a close decision and still. But but let's see, man. Maybe, maybe by the way, I'm talking, maybe it's a dog or pass situation. But my... Uh, my pick is going to be Izzy Adesanya. Now, Shaq, uh, before we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, uh, everybody do us a favor, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Now, Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC 263? Um, my fight to watch, man, is going to be, man, uh, the Drew Dober versus Brad Riddell fight, man. I mean, look. You know, I love me some Drew Dober. I mean, this guy, in terms of, in terms of excitement, he's up there with anybody, in my opinion. In terms of like body of work, exciting fights. Um, I mean, Dober comes. I mean, there's not too many oftentimes seen Dober looking to wrestle. You know what I'm saying? Besides like one fight, I think. But other than that, man, this dude comes to bang. Brad Riddell, we know his reputation uh, as a kickboxer. I wouldn't be shocked if these two uh, won fight of the night. Um, they both have fight of the nights in their history. Um, so, yeah, I, I see one of them possibly getting knocked out. One of them 
you know, moving on to, to bigger and better things at Lightweight. So that's my that's my fight to watch. Yeah, for me, uh, look, my fight to watch is it's it's a tough one to pick, but my fight to watch is that co-main event between Brandon uh, Moreno and Davison Dice Duguay Figueredo. The first fight was a fight of the night, and it was a draw, a controversial draw. But I think that this time we might have a more definitive statement, and I know we got a hungry challenger. I know we got a hungry champion. I know these two don't like each other. And, man, uh, that's my fight to watch. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC 263? My fighter to watch is going to be my boy from the mitten, man. Um, my boy Jamal Hill. Um, look, Paul Craig is a win you need. I too, a lot of guys have failed this test against Paul Craig. Guys like Magomed and Khalif, you know, um, <laughs> even he, uh, you know, I'll never get over that loss. Like, I'll never understand how he, why he tapped. But uh, I think uh, that's, yeah, Jamal Hill's the guy to watch because 205. I mean, since John went up to heavyweight, I mean, 205 is honestly, you know, gaining steam, you know, for a while there, you know, I'd say over the last decade, 205 was kind of like one of the weaker divisions in the UFC, at least one of the less competitive uh, divisions in terms of challengers and champions just due to John Jones dominance. But now that he's out the picture, man, it's like, it's wide open. We got um, my favorite 205 champ of all time, Jan Blakovich. And, and, you know, we got all these contenders, man. And I feel like Jamal Hill with an impressive win um, will enter his name, you know, right up there with those guys like Lionheart and Anka Leave and, um, you know, mate, who else is up there at 205? The Ratchets, the Ratchets, uh, my boy Yuri. You know, I love my, you know, I love me some Yuri. Um, or maybe Jamal Hill can fight Dominic Reyes after that. I know, after this, I know Dominic Reyes wants to get back in there. I mean, you know, so I uh, you know, I'm looking forward to Jamal Hill's performance on Saturday. You already know I'm looking forward to Jamal Hill's performance as well. My fighter watches Bilal, remember the name Muhammad. This is a massive opportunity. Damian Maya is a legend of the sport, a future Hall of Famer in my book. And you get a win over a guy like that. I mean, only the elite beat Damian Maya. So you beat Damian Maya, you enter the top 10 of the welterweight division, and he further elevates his name. I mean, Bilal Muhammad, you know, he's he's really been doing the right things as far as in the cage and outside the cage. He's really growing his stock. He's I've seen him on the ESPN desk now. Like, I'm really happy about what he's been doing, how he's been approaching the game, and how he stays true to himself, man. You know, so... Listen, th my two fighters to watch are Bilal and Jamal. This is all about Bilal and Jamal. So, uh, yeah, those are my fighters to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday night in Glendale, Arizona, UFC 263. Two title fights, the return of Nate Diaz. You got Bilal and Jamal. Hell of a card. Cannot wait. Thank you to all our fans for checking this out. Make sure you all hit that like button, hit the subscribe button. We truly appreciate it. Make sure you follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. Shout out to our sponsor, Manscaped. Uh, make sure you all use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Thank you again to all our fans, our supporters. We truly, truly appreciate it. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.